And so if you can have some healthy growing competition that has provided a model for you or an example that you can go get inspiration from, that can be a huge head start when starting a business. Welcome to the Boss Club Podcast, a show dedicated to helping you grow your business faster, more profitably, and with fewer mistakes. And now your hosts, David Grubbs and Charlie Gassmeyer. Welcome back to episode number four of the Boss Club Podcast. This is Charlie Gassmeyer, and uh, I'm joined by David Grubbs. Thanks so much for being here, David. We've got a really fun episode planned for you today. Today, we wanted to answer what is a good idea for my first business idea? We get this question all the time. This is what our courses even cover over at bossclub.com. If you're listening uh, to the video version as part of this course, then, then you're already enrolled. But if you're not, you can learn more over at bossclub.com. But we want to help you start your first business as a young person. And you know, one of the things that I have really learned as an entrepreneur is that there will always be a, a plethora, a, a, an, a, just enormous amount of good ideas out there. And so it's going to be really hard to decide, hey, which one do I actually choose? What what ideas do I chase? Do I stick with my current business idea? Basically, ideas are not going to be the problem. The problem is going to be picking the right one. And so in order to best serve you in this question, David and I came up with a checklist that you can run through. There's six different points here that you can run through and ask yourself these six different questions, and that really should help you get to the bottom of whether or not this is a good business idea for you. And it's going to be different for everyone, but we want to run you through these six points. And so before we dive into number one, I will say that kind of the precursor to all of this is first figuring out what your goal is for the business. And this drives everything. This is so, so important. And I think a lot of people totally skip this step where they they just start thinking, oh, what's the business idea? Where am I going to sell? Or you know, how much money am I going to make? All these things. But they, they skip the goal and they say, okay, well, is my goal here just to learn something? Is it to, to start something so I can start another thing later on? Is it to pay for college? Is it to hopefully become a Fortune 500 company one day because this is what I want to do with the rest of my life? And this informs every single decision. So based on what your goal is, you will answer these six different questions completely different. Um, you know, you know, based on what your goal is. And just briefly, like the goal of my very first business, I did not know I had this goal and it really messed up the business. Just briefly, Big Bear Barbecue Sauce is my first company ever. And I didn't know it at the time, but really my goal was just to learn how a business worked. How do you even start a business? What is a business comprised of? And so I went to work starting this barbecue sauce company. Um, and then eventually I was sad because I didn't make more sales and the business ran out of money. I had to shut it down. Um, and I was disappointed with that. But when I look back on it, I, I realized, no, I actually accomplished the goal, but I really wished that I would have been intentional about that because I would have made a lot of different decisions along the way. So you got to first answer what your goal is, and then we can jump into these six points. So, David, I'll turn it over to you. What is number one for kind of this quiz towards answering what's a good business idea? So the first checklist item we have on this list is margin or profit margin, which is basically how much money do you have left over after you sell your product? And, and what this really tells you is how much of a gas pedal you really have for your business. How fast can it grow? And as a result of that, how scalable is it? And so... What's really important about this is when we are analyzing business ideas is we want our margin to reflect in our goals as well. And so they need to line up. If, if we have kind of a lifestyle business, we don't mind that grows slowly and it has a thin margin. That's just fine. But if we have a thin margin, but we have very large aspirations for our business and we want it to grow quickly, then that's a point of concern and something we need to focus on. So I have two quick examples of this is I actually started a coffee company, true coffee company where we sold coffee online uh, under a subscription business model. And that had very thin margins. Coffee is sold all over the place. And as a result of that, there's a lot of competition. There's very thin margins. Our margins were less than $5 uh, 
uh, for a particular order. And that's okay, but we grew slowly as a result of that because we had very limited options when it came to marketing. We only had $5 that we could spend to acquire a customer. And so we were very limited on how we could spend those dollars. Alternatively, I started a skincare business where we sold the product for $90. It was a moisturizer and we also had a serum. Sold for $90 each, and it cost us $2.98 to produce. I mean, it's hard, <laughs> hard to get better than that. I mean, the, That sounds like a typo. I, I mean, guess it's the, not, a, it's not the, a typo. The margins were incredible, truly. Even after all the other expenses associated with running the business, we still had a $60 margin we could spend on acquiring a customer. So we could spend that on online ads. We could spend it on radio ads, and we did. We could spend it on magazine ads and online uh, print ads and all kinds of different ways that were available to us to grow. And so we grew very quickly as a result of that. And when it was all said and done, we had over a million customers, whereas the coffee company grew very, very slowly. And so, again, margin is just one of these kind of uh, checkpoints that we have. And it's at the very top of our list. And you want to make sure that whatever idea you have lines up with you know, the goals you have for the business. So actually, Charlie has a great example of this. Charlie, what were your margins with Big Bear? Well, I will tell you, they were not not what you experienced on skincare. So I sold my bottles of very delicious barbecue sauce for $5 a piece, and it cost me $2.42 per bottle to make it. But it's funny how you remember these like specific things that were over a decade ago, but uh, these little things stick out to you and you never forget them. But two forty two a bottle uh, was what it cost me. And so I had a margin of, what, two fifty eight per bottle that, that I was making before I even went, you know, went towards overhead or you know my website expenses or you name it. That was just the, the, the sheer cost of just actually making the sauce in the first place. So instead of having all of that margin like you did on skincare, I only had a couple dollars worth of margin. And so, you know, when you go back to your goals, like you were referring to here, um, you know, like if I wanted to make a thousand dollars per month in profit off of Big Bear, I never did the math ahead of time. I, I vividly remember not doing this, uh, of, of saying, okay, I need to sell 400 bottles of barbecue sauce just to net out a thousand dollars per month. And that's a lot of barbecue sauce when that's your first business. And so I never really connected the dots there to say, okay, um, you know, this is my margin profile. This is, this is what this implies about how I'm going to grow this business. This is what it means for me today. I was just thrilled that I got someone to produce my barbecue sauce. It had a really cool label on it. It looked really cool. I had a website. I just got so enamored with bringing the thing to life that I never took the steps mentally ahead of time to, to think, okay, great, I can make this, but but now what are the implications of that? So margins are just so, so important. Uh, and they really, like David said, they have to align with your goals. So that's the first question whenever David and I will run business ideas by each other, either just out of curiosity or because we're tempted to do them one day or whatnot. First thing is, is we, we think of margin. So all this list is in an order uh, for a reason. So the, the second thing that we click quickly go to, number one is margin. The second thing is business model. Basically, how are you going to make money? And at Boss Club, in our course, um, the way that we teach the business models is we talk about what we call the alphabet test. And so the alphabet test is just kind of a, a, an exercise to explain what are all the steps involved before I make money. So how complex is the business model, which again, is just how do you actually monetize the business? And Typically, uh, it's easier to make money on businesses that have a shorter alphabet test than ones that have a longer alphabet test. So what do I even mean by that? Well, give you a brief example. If your business is babysitting, well, you assign all the steps involved with babysitting to make money and, and you assign those a letter. So it's probably step A is go find people to babysit for. Step B is 
perform the babysitting services, provide those, and then you get money. So it's A plus B equals money. Pretty simple alphabet test. But if you're going to be, you know, developing some sort of an app, well, there's a lot more steps. It's A plus B plus C plus D plus E equals money. And so you kind of get the idea. And so there's nothing wrong with complex business models. In fact, some of the some of the biggest company in the, companies in the world, like insurance companies, have very long alphabet tests, but they're still very lucrative and still very large businesses. But for your first business, we really, really think you ought to stay on the shorter end of that alphabet test spectrum because there's fewer things involved that, that, that really have to occur before you actually start making money, which, again, kind of goes back to the whole goal conversation of, of how quickly do you want to make money and how big do you want to make this? The, the shorter the alphabet test, the, the farther... Uh, or the, the the closer actually you are to actually monetizing the business and making money. So number two is is business model and uh, a short alphabet test. So David, what is number three? Number three is competition. And so we take a slightly different approach to this. And a lot of people look at competition as kind of a scary thing. And a lot of times that's a red flag and they won't continue with their business idea because they see competition in the market. We actually have a very different approach to this is that competition is a really healthy thing. In fact, if we don't find competition for the idea that we have, oftentimes that's a red flag for us and we won't continue with the business idea. And there's a big reason for this is competition, especially young, healthy, growing competition, proves a lot of unknowns for you already right out of the gate. They've proven that there is a demand for the product or service you have in mind. They've proven that there are customers that will willing to buy that product or service. They've proven the business model selected. So how do you charge for it, whether it's on subscription or one-time purchase or any sort of business model that you might uh, be interested in? They've proven that that works, obviously. And not only that, but the most important thing here is they've proven there's a profitable way to acquire new customers. And so what do I mean by that? Well, they've proven how to go find this customer and bring them in and get them to buy from you. And so whether that's um, maybe doing some research on your competition and you find that they're doing a lot of print and magazine ads or maybe they're advertising a lot on the radio or they're very active on social media and it seems like they're driving a lot of growth and sales through social media. What they've done is actually done spent a lot of time and money and effort to figure out the puzzle pieces on how to go find new customers. And so if you can have some healthy growing competition that has provided a model for you or an example that you can go get inspiration from, that can be a huge head start when starting a business. In the United States, there's this popular statistic, the nine out of 10 new businesses fail. Well, hey, if you've got healthy competition that has already proven a lot of those unknowns for you, you're gonna have a much better chance of success. And so we really lean into competition. We look for that. Um, Charlie, you have any thoughts about this? Yeah, I think the only thing that I would add, because that's all really well said, is that I, I think for some reason, I think society tends to put such a premium on your differentiators as a business. So what I mean by that is if you're starting a business, usually people's first question to you is, well, how are you going to beat the competition or how are you going to be different? And so like as new business owners, a lot of times we default to trying to really reinvent the wheel. Like we're going to build a new pencil, but we got to make every part of the pencil different. And sometimes we'll do that so much so that we forget like, hey, people just want the pencil. We can we can make it a little better, a little different, but we don't need to reinvent the wheel here. And so um, I, I don't think that you have to go above and beyond to create something that the world has never seen before. Um, obviously in history, you know, that, that's how a lot of how the world progresses is by creating new things the world has never seen before. But I would say probably 99% of entrepreneurs create things that have already been done before, but that people need. And so I think this is worthy of, of a, another episode or two to just talk about more our, 
more about our thoughts on competition because it is such a healthy thing. It is such a good thing. And when you can learn to treat it as such, I think it'll make you uh, really a, um, a more tactful entrepreneur for sure. Checklist item number four is complexity. Now, this is kind of similar to business model, like we were talking about a minute ago, but it's a little bit different. And so, um, you know, every every part of your business that increases its complexity is just another point for it to break, another point for it to create friction, to create problems for you, to create um, just barriers to speed and to success. And so generally speaking, especially for your first business, simple businesses are better businesses. Uh, later on, if you want to get really complex with it, uh, uh, you certainly can, but in the beginning, I would really, really favor some simple businesses. So two basic examples. One of my friends in high school, he started a business uh, flipping blue jeans. So he would go to Nordstrom Rack and buy them uh, at, a, at a steep discount off of the shelf and then put them on eBay and make a really, really good profit. And he got really good at it. It was awesome. But that was a very simple business. All he had to do was go find jeans and, and sell them online. Whereas if you're trying to do some sort of app or software development, there are so many things that have to happen, not only before you make money uh, as a software business, but just for the product itself to be created. So you look at one route versus the other in terms of complexity, um, and that would definitely favor the first business that I, that I just talked about. Because if you're wanting to just get started, start making money, start growing your business, you really, really want to keep it as simple as you can. Yeah, we really favor simple business models just because you have such a better chance of success, especially for your first few businesses. The fifth item we want to talk about here in the checklist is actually customers. So getting your first 10 and then your first 100 customers are such important milestones for your business. It helps you breathe life into your company. You're bringing sales and revenue into it, and it helps you figure out ways to get in front of customers, make those sales, and what messaging really matters, like what really gets them to, to buy from you, what convinces them that your product or service is, is worth their hard-earned money. And so reaching those milestones is so critical that we've put this as, a, as the fifth checklist item. And so the way we go about this is we think about the people we already know. That's friends, family, coworkers, peers, you know, friends on the baseball team, those kinds of things. Who do we have access to? Who can we message quickly? And then we think about what kinds of products or services that they would be interested in buying from us. And so if we have this business idea, but we don't know anyone that would actually be willing to buy it from us, then that's a red flag for us. And so we oftentimes think about the people we have access to and then what kinds of products or services we could sell to them because that gives us an early leg up and helps us reach those early milestones that are so important. Now, that doesn't just have to be limited to friends and family. You might have access or know how to get in front of people that, that are strangers to you. Maybe you're launching a business, but you know how to reach everyone in an association that might be interested in that product or service. Or your neighbors, maybe you don't know them directly, but you can certainly leave a flyer on their front porch. And so think about not only the people that are friends and family that you know personally, but also those that you have access to that you might not have a relationship with. And that can help you in the early days when you first launch a business. Um, and, and it helps you get some early wins, which are so, so important. Charlie, you have anything you want to kind of add about, about customers? Yeah, I think. And then as you're considering about how to go scale the business, thinking about, okay, if I could find my first 10 customers, the first 100 customers, what do all of them have in common? They're all going to be different and unique people, but what's their commonality? And 
is there another way that we can take their common denominator? Maybe they're all part of a certain association or a certain interest or you name it, whatever it is. And then can we, how do we go find much larger groups of those same people? And what's our confidence level that we can actually get in front of another hundred people that look just like that. And, and it, we don't have to rely on them being our friends or our family in order to get in front of them. So sometimes we'll think about a business idea, not in terms of what are we going to build or what, what service are we going to provide? And then how do we go find people to buy it? Sometimes we'll think about it from the complete opposite direction and think, okay, what, what group of people do we generally know we can contact, we can get in front of, we can access. And then what's their common denominator? What's a pain point that they all have that we could solve? And how would we then go solve it? And then how would we sell it to them? So if you can think about that backwards, I think it's going to solve a lot of the marketing problems that you might run into of trying to think of how to, how to go grow this business. How do you go find more people? Because you've already thought uh, about your target customer deeper than just what's their demographics? What are their, what are their ages and what are their locations? But actually at a deeper level, what do they all have in common and how how do I find large, large quantities of them? And the number six is thinking through the time and money involved in actually growing the business. So it's one thing to go get your first customer or your first 10 customers, but then really think through the mental exercise of what do customers 11 through 100 mean for my business? Not only from a time perspective of how long is it going to take me to go find um, and acquire those people and get them to purchase from me, but even more importantly, what does that mean financially? Uh, so for example, if you're going to run a subscription business, a lot of people don't think about this ahead of time, that to aggressively grow a subscription business where you're typically not making your money back on a customer until s several months into their subscription, people look over the fact that you're going to have to basically float the money. You're going to have to be able to not make your money back for a few months on that customer, which might not be a big deal for customer number one. Uh, maybe you have to go spend $50 to acquire a customer and a few months later you make that $50 back and then some, you made a profit, life is good. But let's just take a, an exaggerated example here. What if you want to go get a million customers? Well, that means if it costs you $50 to acquire the customer, you got to come up with $50 million to go get a million customers. And if you're not prepared to, to be able to, you know, put out $50 million and not get it back for several months, then that has huge implications for your business. And so uh, I think a lot of people don't, don't think through, like I certainly didn't at Big Bear. Um, hey, what does this mean? If I want to go uh, get a ton of customers, what is the kind of financial up and down of that actually look like for me? And so a lot of times we'll skip this step because we'll, we'll maybe go through these other five checklist items and think, man, this idea is golden. And then as soon as you launch it and you get into it, and you think, okay, now how do I go grow it? Then you have a big uh-oh moment because you realize you might actually need a lot of money in order to go grow it at the rate that you want to. So those are our six checklist items. I think if you go through those specifically in that order, I think it'll help you avoid a lot of the same mistakes that we have made in some of our uh, prior businesses and things. So uh, David, any, any last closing thoughts as we kind of wrap up this discussion? I've got two key closing thoughts here that I want to share with you kind of based on the list we've just gone through. The first one is, is that when you start a business and you select that business idea and move forward, it takes a lot of time and money to make that come to life. And so I know that I wish I had this, this list early on and especially the first few businesses I started because a lot of the businesses I started in the early days failed some of these items on this checklist and ended up failing as a result of that. And had I been better about vetting the business ideas I pursued, I would have had a much better chance of success. I would have said no to a lot of the initial ideas I had and pursued ones that, you know, had a better chance of, of producing a profit and growing and being scalable and having the margins and 
and knowing the customers I would go after and all the things we've discussed today. So I would just encourage you, um, you're going to spend a lot of time and effort building a business. Make sure you pick some really good ideas for the first ones that you start. The second thing I want to mention here is just because your idea might fail this checklist right now doesn't mean it will always fail the checklist. Later on in life, you may have gained experience and knowledge and and expertise, as well as maybe resources to fund an idea. And so you might be able to revisit an idea that you had early on later in life, and it might check all these boxes for you. You never know. And so just don't feel like you're locked in on this. And and what is a good idea um, now may be different later and vice versa. So just realize that that nothing is set in stone and, and things change over time. Yeah, that's a good point. I I think I've got one closing thought here is that when you're thinking through a business idea and you get a green light on all of these checklist items, I wouldn't all of a sudden think, man, I hit the jackpot. Like I found the one and only idea that actually checks all of these boxes because you're actually going to find a lot of businesses that can check all of these boxes. So don't just swing at the first one that that you find that that passes this test. But instead, I would think try to fast forward ahead a little bit and think, what kind of business do I want to be running? Like if I can find something that checks all of these boxes, then how do I want to spend my time? The last very brief examples before we started boss club, David, I don't know if you remember this. We thought about starting a company to go head to head with a bark box. I think is the name of the company, the, the dog treat like subscription service, because for us, for the reasons we had outlined it, checked the boxes for us. And then we realized like, we love dogs. We have dogs, but we don't really want to run a dog company. And <laughs> I'm so glad that we didn't choose that because we it would not have gone the distance for us because we would have lost interest. We don't want to wake up every day thinking about how, how do we how do we you know help dogs and make happier dog owners. Like that's not the problem we uniquely want to solve in the world. And then we came up with Boss Club, and we're super passionate about that. And and and. Uh, you know, checks all the boxes for us. So again, don't swing at the first pitch. You will find many businesses that pass this test, but then figure out what do you actually want to spend your time on? What do you want to work towards? So with that, I hope this will will really serve you well in your in your uh, entrepreneurial journey. And you can avoid some of the mistakes we made, and hopefully it's going to lead you to faster success in the business that you select. Uh, if you want to be on the podcast or you've got a question or a business problem you're trying to figure out or you want us to evaluate one of your business ideas or something, feel free to send us a note. We've got a, a special email address set up for you guys. It's podcast at bossclub.com. Podcast at bossclub.com. You can send us those questions and you might be featured on the show. So thanks for listening. We'll see you guys in next week's episode. 